Happy Sunday. What a glorious day to be alive. You know, we go through each day most times just trying to get through the day. And before we lay our heads down on our pillows, we already have begun to prepare at least mentally for the next day. We live with day after day, just running together, never really thinking about the very fact that I am still here. The very fact that God woke me up and granted me another day means that he has purpose for my life. Purpose beyond my own plans. Purpose beyond my own desires. Purpose beyond just fulfilling my needs. So many have gone on to glory, but you and I are still standing. After the trials, after the tribulations, we stand as remnants from some of the most devastating situations. Today, I want us to shift our mindsets, shift our atmosphere of praise, readjust our atmosphere in which we receive the word of God today. Take a deep breath. Glory to God. Take a deep breath and let the music that you're about to hear shift your atmosphere. Allow it to prepare your heart to receive instructions from the Lord. Shifting the air. Shifting the air. 
Thank you, O oh God, for shifting the atmosphere. Thank you, O oh God, for shifting the atmosphere. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you today with our hearts seated at your throne. Lord, we want to hear a word from you. Lord, we want to hear instructions from you for our days are about your assignment on our lives. Direct us, O oh God. Guide us, O oh God. Cover us, O oh God. Protect us, O oh God. And speak, O oh God. Speak to us today. Lord, to you we give the glory. To you we give the honor. To you we say amen as we bow in obedience to your word. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen and amen. Today, our text will be coming from the book of Ezra. Let me set the scene for you. When God freed Israel from Egypt, bringing them out of slavery, he warned them that if they chose to break their covenant with him, he would again allow other nations to take them back into slavery. Now, the Israelites much like us today, seem to take God's grace for granted or as a weakness, thinking that his love for us will allow him to go against 
his word. However, true to his promise, God allowed Israel and Judah to once again be enslaved because they did not honor their covenant with him because they chose to do things their way, operating in complete disobedience to his word. Before I go any further, I want to explain to you the depth of a covenant. I think we use this word very loosely, never really embracing its meaning in its totality. A covenant, biblically speaking, goes beyond an ordinary agreement between two people. Anytime you see the word covenant in the Bible, it involves a promise that in order to be kept will require change of heart, will require a spirit of obedience. When God makes a covenant with us, since we know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and that he will not change, and that he will not bow in obedience to us. That means every covenant that God enters in with us requires us to change our hearts. Every covenant that God enters in with us requires us to walk in obedience in order for him to uphold his promise to us. God is almighty and God is a promise-keeping God. Now, the book of Ezra picks up after the Israelites violated their covenant with God and allowed the fine print of that covenant to manifest with them serving as slaves once again for 70 years. See, when God enters into a covenant with us, there's fine print, there's terms, there's conditions. And he tells us what the outcome is if we violate the covenant. It's in the fine print. It's in the details of the covenant. But sometimes we get caught on the promise. What God promised to give us, but we don't look at the fine print of what he says will happen if we break our end of the deal. The book of Ezra outlines the events occurring in the land of Israel when they once again found themselves in slavery. And then they came up out of slavery. The book of Ezra picks up as they come out of slavery and has an emphasis on rebuilding the temple. See, since they were now free, they were able to worship according to their beliefs. See, because when you're under the slave and the rule of another, you can't freely worship according to the beliefs of your heart. As you can imagine, with 70 years of slavery, many didn't survive. But those who did survive are described in Ezra 9 and 15 as it reads, Lord, the God of Israel, you are righteous. We are left this day as a remnant. Here we are before you in our guilt, though because of it, not one of us can stand in your presence. 
Biblically speaking, the word remnant refers to a portion of people left after a disaster. Those who remain faithful to God despite the suffering. The idea of a remnant surfaces in Genesis and appears throughout the Old Testament. Noah and his family were remnants who secured the existence of humanity after the flood. The idea of a remnant appears again in the narratives of Joseph when he tells his brothers in Genesis 45 and 7 that God sent him to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Then in 1 Kings, Elijah complains that he alone is left among God's people and that all of Israel has forsaken him. Elijah considers himself the final remnant. Remnants are those who remain after an epidemic, after the famine, after a drought, or after a war. If you are a believer, if you have declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're still standing, you are officially a remnant. A remnant is often looked at as a piece of something, invaluable, scraps, insignificant parts of a major component. But don't be fooled. Don't count out the impact of a remnant. All throughout the Bible, God shows off what he can do with just a little. Just a little of what others deem invaluable. Keep in mind, God took dirt, something none of us deem as valuable. But God took it and created the human species. From dirt grows vegetation. From dirt comes the most beautiful parts of nature. And in God's effort to get us to understand how little things can have a big impact, in Matthew 17 and 20, Jesus says, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Think about it. Something as small and insignificant as a mustard seed, when used in relationship with God, can move a mountain. Don't underestimate things that are small and don't discount a remnant. Remnants. Leftovers. You know, there are those who turn their nose up at leftovers, when the truth is, sometimes the leftovers are more flavorful than the original meal. I want to talk to the remnants out there under the sound of my voice, those who survived this world's pandemic, those who, thanks to God, did not allow the pressures of quarantine to disrupt their sanity, those who still remain committed to praise, prayer, worship, and the exaltation of the word of God when they couldn't go into the walls of the church. I want to let you know, you are of the remnant pieces charged to revive and rebuild the temple of God. Understand this, 
the reviving and rebuilding of the temple of God has nothing to do with buildings and programs. The temple of God is the gateway, the path into the kingdom of God. The mandate to revive and rebuild is not a restoration process. All those who are fans of HGTV, let me tell you, God can teach you something in anything. Don't get caught up in the before and the after. Don't get so caught up in what it looked like before and what it looks like now that you miss the essential parts of the process. See, restoration by definition means to return something to its former condition. The temple of God, the kingdom of God, our religious structure in this world does not need restoration. We do not need to return it to its former condition. We need to step into the realm of reviving and rebuilding. See, to revive means to give new strength new energy to a thing or a situation, to expand on the purpose and the usability of a thing. And to rebuild will require extensive repairs, extensive changes to be made. How many of you see the picture? Can you see the picture now? Do you understand the charge a little bit better when we talk about the building of the temple, the reviving and the rebuilding of the gateway, the road, the path to the kingdom of God? See, no longer can we allow people to be duped into thinking that church attendance alone lays the path to the kingdom. No longer can we allow people to think that holiness is solidified by how fast you can speak in tongues or how deep you pray. It's time we revive the path to the kingdom. It's time we embrace and make everything, especially the technology that we have at our fingertips, bow to the mandate of God. It's time we go after the lost and not wait for them to cross the threshold of our churches. In this rebuilding process, we're going to have to make changes, serious changes. We're going to have to repair what wasn't working. We're going to have to change what wasn't giving God glory. And completely put an end to all that wasn't representing the will and the word of God. We can no longer only strive to go back to what we had accepted as normal. This pandemic took us into the wilderness. With a massive number of lives lost, this planet became a wasteland. In Isaiah 43 and 19, God says this. See, I am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If we don't embrace and submit to the new thing that God is doing, nothing we do will be deemed profitable for the kingdom. The book of Ezra is a dynamic short book of the Bible, but it's so worthy of studying because it guides us through the process of reviving and rebuilding. In Ezra chapter three, before dealing with any physical efforts, the word of God calls us to restore the principle of worship. Scripture tells us that the Israelites in Judah, after being released from the confines of 70 years of slavery, that their first act of worship was the building of an altar. The building of an altar symbolizes one intentional effort to offer themselves as a sacrifice to God. The second act of worship was that they offered up a free will offering of their belongings, of their money to God. I can only imagine coming out of slavery, they didn't have much, but from the little that they did have, they gave. See, the act of giving tells the true story of one's heart. The third act of worship was that they began to put their efforts to work for the exaltation and building of the temple. They put some muscle. They sacrificed some time. And once they vowed themselves as sacrifices and gave from their pockets and committed to physical labor, committed to putting in the time. Verse 11 says, Then they began to sing praise and give thanks to the Lord. When we think of worship, we think we have done something because we praised and thank God for what he has done for us. Each of you as a remnant were set aside and you were not set aside for yourself. You were set aside to build God's temple. You were set aside to draw the lost into the kingdom, to be part of the overall plan of bringing the culture of heaven to earth. And as we accept our roles as remnants, we must be committed to building his temple, his way, according to his will. Newsflash, God's will and God's way may not necessarily be the easiest way. We have to be careful when we are presented with something easy, that we just don't claim it as a blessing without weighing it against the will and the word of God. Allow me to read to you Ezra chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. It reads, when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Jerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help 
you build because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Eskardan, king of Israel, who brought us here. But Jerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the family of Israel answered, you have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the people around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go into the building. They bribed the officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. This phase of rebuilding and revival that we are in is going to require the people of God to operate with a spirit of discernment. These times that we are in right now is going to require us to not just seek the easy road. It's going to require us to sacrifice and not just go along with what looks, feels, and sounds good. We need to be realistic and know that everyone who comes to us with a supposed plan of helping us build according to the will and the ways of God is not on the team of God. We have to embrace the truth that Satan knows the word of God and he knows the mission of the remnants of God and that the last thing that he wants is for the remnants of God to revive and rebuild. So I'm telling you today, as we walk in to this season of reviving and rebuilding, expect stumbling blocks. Don't become distraught when someone comes to deceive you. Expect it. They're coming. The remnants of God operate with a standard. We are selective. And don't just look to build with anyone. Be selective about who you build with. I'm telling you, if you understand where we are as a people in these times, study the book of Ezra, for we need to embrace his characteristics and implement them as a standard in our lives so that we can be effective in and for the kingdom of God. Ezra was a mighty man. When he came back from captivity in Babylon, expecting to find the people serving the Lord with gladness, he was surprised when he found the opposite. His heart ached just as ours should. As we see time and time again that we have come through this pandemic and so many still do not bow to the word and the will of God. Your heart should ache. Ezra wanted the people to know how important and essential the word of God was. He wanted them to know that nothing should supersede our obedience and worship of God. 
Ezra was committed to teaching the word of God, initiating reforms, restoring worship, and leading spiritual revival. As a remnant of God, what are you committed to in the process of reviving and rebuilding the temple of God? God is as intimately involved in our lives as he was in Ezra's life. And like Ezra, we are sometimes enabled to do the impossible. Every believer is a living temple in which the Holy Spirit The opposing forces in Ezra's day were people with evil in their hearts. The opposing force in our Christian lives today is evil himself, Satan. Satan who has come to destroy us and in turn destroy God's temple. Our goal should be worthy in God's eyes as well as our own. We have got to stop seeking to just satisfy flesh, to just accumulate stuff. Where do you sit in God's eyes? Yesterday's sorrows can be today's successes if we turn our hearts, if we turn our minds, if we turn our efforts to pleasing God and exalting his will over ours. Ezra's goal was worthy in God's eyes. And he effectively took the sorrows and turned them into success as he rebuilt God's city and restored worship. Remnants, let's revive and rebuild. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, O God. Thank you for the shifting of the atmosphere. Thank you, O God. Thank you for speaking to us, O God. Thank you for putting on our hearts, O God, the necessity for us to revive and build the temple, the path to your kingdom. God, strengthen us, O God. Use us, O God, to open up our mouths and teach your word. to bow before you, O God, and use our efforts to exalt your will. O God, we stand before you as remnants, remnants that have come out of the wilderness, remnants that have survived the pandemic, remnants that held on to your word, In some dark places, oh God. Remnants, oh God. That did not bow. That did not give up praise, oh God. That did not, hallelujah, did not stop praying, oh God. Did not stop worshiping when the church doors close. We stand before you as remnants, oh God. Use us, oh God. Guide us, oh God. 
We accept our assignment. In the name of your son, Jesus. We declare, oh God, that we will stand in the gap. We will be used to bring the culture of heaven to earth. To you we give glory. Thank you, O oh God. To you we give honor. To you we give praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Today I want you to understand that remnants are conquerors. Conquerors for a divine
Deliverance. To learn more about our ministry, please visit us online at www.bibledeliverance.org. If you are looking to partner with or join a ministry, we welcome you with open arms and invite you to begin that process on our website. If you are looking for someone to partner with you in prayer, we would love to to be your prayer partner. You can also submit that request online. And if God is leading you to sow into this ministry, please again go to www.bibledeliverance.org. 
We stand on the principle that grass may wither and flowers may fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Be blessed.